Hello everyone, it is the final word show. I am Paul Machen. It's the it's the it's the OG Redmen team. You're damn straight, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Ross Chanley. Chris Pajak in the studio. Um yeah, Liverpool beat Arsenal. Shock that you guys have turned up for this <laughs> one. Like you're really like fucking But yeah, what a time to be alive. Um Liverpool decided to put to bed the ghosts of West Ham and the international break by just spanking Arsenal everywhere. It was great. Um, I'm it, not sure Arteta would agree with you. No, I mean, I, I would never <laughs> expect them to, to be honest. Like, But uh, to be honest, what are you going to do about it? it? What are you going to do about it? Run away 10 yards and go, yeah. Hey, off. mate, hold me back. <laughs> Please. Oh, my God. Bad. Great that stuff. Thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining what stuff. What a fucking bad nonce. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, that's not fine. <laughs> um, that's the worth the thoughts of Chris Bajak. Not two minutes. Not represent over at Ben TV. Um, yeah, I mean, Ross. All told, that's what you do. That's how you bounce back. There was a, be, the way that Arsenal were being hyped up pre-match, and the fact that look, life's just a bit miserable when Liverpool don't win. And then you have an international break to stew on it and all the things kind of build up. I was a bit like, I don't know, down in the dumps with the whole thing. And I, I and I wrote I wrote something last night and I kind of, the way I explained it was like the way cognitive dissonance has come to the forefront of everything because of like COVID deniers and Trumpisms and all this kind of stuff. I don't, and, and you know, it's, it's a bit like people who think they're going to be brilliant on Britain's Got Talent and then they're not because they're rubbish, because they're really deluded. I, I've had this real sick feeling that like, what if I'm wrong? Like, what if Liverpool aren't as good as I know that they are? Because I know in my core this is a really good team. I think they're going to be brilliant this season. But what, like, but we also lost to West Ham and we drew to Brighton and we threw away points at, at Brentford and we nearly threw it away against Atletico and blah, 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 blah. I really needed that win just to kind of remind me once again. Well, you're an idiot then, Paul. Yeah, what yeah, about yeah. the 24 fucking games unbeaten before, the, oh, yeah. before West Ham? Oh, absolutely. But the point is, we were two points behind <laughs> Arsenal. We were two points ahead of Arsenal going into that game. That's where we were. That was what that game was. That was either. I'm right, and Liverpool are going to prove themselves to be what they are. But if we did what we'd done again the previous game, we'd have been in. We'd have very much not been what I, I expected yeah. us to be. No, I get what you're saying. Recency bias does, doesn't help. And like you said, I think the Brighton game comes into it as well, not just the West Ham because of the performance. Then it's the injuries, and then it's the international break. And it's not when Liverpool lose, it's when Liverpool don't play because there's a vast majority of us that just don't take an interest. So like the weekend was good because like, oh, there's actual games of football. It's not just Liverpool that play. You get to soak up like Soccer Saturday and the lunchtime games and, and all that stuff. But I wrote I wrote a piece last week for, on, on the website and we focused too much on ourselves and, and, and not all the teams. You know, City drew, uh, was it home to, they lost at home to Crystal Palace. Chelsea just drew at home to Burnley and they could have lost that game. Liverpool... Fans have got caught up in this thing of like if you drop, if you drop any points and the league's done and we're, and we're crap and it's just not the case. Mm-hmm. Context comes into it, you know we've got midfield problems, injuries to, that, that don't help things. But you've got to go through some some bad games. I'm old enough to understand that you can draw some games of football because shit happens because that's that's what happens in, in games of football. Yeah. I want the performances and the results to go well. Actually, things aren't aren't as bad as they look, and it's always difficult when you come back from an international break because it feels like we always get to a slow start. And it doesn't work. Whereas that was kind of like, well, actually, we have to win this game because we either get back in the pack with Man City and Chelsea, or we get dragged down with likes of Arsenal and whoever else is there at the minute. I, I was out on Saturday night in town, and some fella stopped me in the street, and we were talking about Liverpool and stuff, right? And it was a genuine conversation. If you're watching, I'm so sorry for throwing you under the bus, but under the bus you go, my friend. Um, he was talking about the game and that, and he's like, "Fucking bench was weak, though, won it? So we won four 0 mate." Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, you've got to be worried about that bench. No, I'd be worried if I got beat 4-0, but we didn't. We we won 4-0, mate, against Arsenal. I'd be worried. <laughs> I, I, I'm worried it's not Stop being way. worried about shit that doesn't fucking or didn't it's, happen. Yeah. It's, it's, it's before it's the game. It's pathetic, to be honest. Yeah. It's before you the game. To just I'm, grow up a bit. And people that present opinions as facts and go, like, the bench the bench stuff happens all the time. We're going, well, that's it. There's no options on the bench. We've lost this game. And it's like, judge judge. Judge it afterwards yeah. and then go, well, actually, well, I get what the fella's saying because you're looking for options and answers before the game's kicked off and going, well, with this, A, A, B and C doesn't work. Who's coming off the bench and, and, and it's not there. But play the fucking game out yeah. first. Exactly. It's a concern if Liverpool are struggling and need to go to their bench. And even then... Can I just really... make this clear? This was six hours after the game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's the problem with that, is that it's like people have developed a point and then 
don't think to update it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just don't don't think to allow new information to come in and, and impact what, what they go. It's like they plant a seed and then forget to fucking water it or give it yeah. fucking sunlight. Lad Vardy's still the top scorer, mate. It's been 10 weeks. It's been Mo Salah for the last 10 weeks. Like, you know what I mean? Not sure about Taki on the bench, you know. Oh, God, <laughs> I'm honestly. Sure what he can do. It's mad. No, I think that's it's it. Mad. I think it's, I think, no, but that's, that, that's it, isn't it? It's, I get it. I do, and, and I, I, it's weirder in in person than it is. I expected online because we had this yeah. chat last week about how people just use language differently, and maybe I've just missed missed the memo on how how we have to go over the top with hyperbole, negative hyperbole, which it probably isn't doesn't quite represent how people feel. Same people say rolling on the floor laughing when they're not. You're not rolling on the floor laughing. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's hard you, to type when you're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's you know you're not you exaggerate. You know, we all say like this, 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 this killed me. It didn't. It did. You know, it did not. It did not kill you. It was, a, it was a fucking nightmare. You were second in the queue in the post office, mate. Yeah. It wasn't a fucking nightmare. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I do. You're right. It's mad because even to that point, I was going to touch on it later on. But on the bench. And I, I'd said this, in fact, it was in the Discord group just before the international break and people bemoaning the injuries and, and what have you. And I think oh, I just, it was one of them, I randomly just logged in, saw that point and said, it's normally in these kind of circumstances when we find new heroes. You know, think and Neil Mellor, Arsenal's the prime example of that. Steps up, makes himself an all-time Liverpool hero because we had no Cissé, no Barros. Um, and we had a bunch of other bits and pieces going around there. All of our striking options had completely evaporated, and Neil Mellor crops up and scores. And turns up and scores out, a it, if he was fitter, he wouldn't have scored that goal. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So like, it was that, just the right amount of unhealthy. And that's the point. And I saw a great, I saw <laughs> a great amount. tweet last night about this, about how Tyler Morton coming on, and people see that as a bad thing. And I can't imagine how anyone could see. Another young it, local it, lad it getting a game. It would be a bad, a bad thing, thing if he had to be brought on at half time again, like he did last time uh-huh. in the in the was it the league cup against was it Norwich or something? Yeah, that that was a bad thing because we needed to bring him on to shore it up. Bringing a lad on for his Premier League debut because you're four 0 up is not a bad thing. Yeah. And because then, it, didn't, it didn't matter. It's actually not even a bad thing because if you bring a player on who improves, well, what you're point. doing, yeah, it's a point. That's yeah. a, that says that your squad depth's good, right? Yeah, I, I saw a similar one. It was a picture of Steven Gerrard coming on as a sub, and like if Twitter was around then, like would have been fucking fuming that he came on and yes. it's exactly the same point you know and again people bemoan the, the, the squad depth lack of squad depth integrating youth and then you do those things and they go what are we doing and it's like we have the squad depth the squad depth isn't the same level as that but it's never going to be unless you're Man City Nathaniel and even then I'm sorry but I've been, I posted this out weeks ago have you seen Man City's bench this yeah, season yeah. Mm. It's, it's had a couple of apps kids you've never heard of on it every single week. They haven't got nine boss players on their bench every week. They just haven't. They've got injuries themselves. Exactly, though. exactly, exactly. Because every squad, because every squad's got fucking Fuck injuries. Hell. No, no, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, where's why has no one thought to do a Man City depth chart? You know what I mean? Just to go before before everyone again launches down Dan Kennett's throat. How's about you just check Chelsea's depth chart out for a minute or check City's? And it's not because everyone's terrified of those teams and not terrified of what we will do to others. But the Tyler Morton point is that it's like if Nathaniel Klein, who was England's right back, he was one of the best right backs we'd had in a long old time, doesn't get injured, Trent doesn't make his debut at Man United, and then doesn't accelerate his development into the first team, which doesn't lead to him then, you know, getting starting against Hoffenheim and, yeah, and getting you know, out. Four years quicker assists. than Danny Alves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. The shit happens, but you know, again, when you're in a position to deal with it, yeah, it is what it is. Um, I mean, what's interesting about the game, and to, to mention the to mention the injuries and all that once again, because that was Arsenal's best team, and I went through it, and I was like, we had no Bobby, no Robbo, no Hendo, and because like logistically, they were the three lads who probably would have start who would have started this game. But then you go, no Cater, no Milner, no Jones, no Elliot, no Gomez. And so on, and no Nico Williams as well, no Divock Origi. It's a good uh, starting eleven, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that—that that was what was really important about this. Is we still put out a really good team. We absolutely annihilated them, and that's why Arsenal fans have just been very quiet post game because I yeah. think they they had a lot of hope and a lot of expert, and they thought this would be their best chance, and they were talking it all up. But the reality was what the reality was. Yeah, I think. I think there was a little bit of trepidation from Arsenal going into this game. I think that they knew 
that over the last few weeks their form had been really good. Of course, it it's been it was much publicised that they were probably the second best form team in the league after after Chelsea from post the first three games in the league. But what they hadn't ha- had is a test since because they got they got thumped by Chelsea, they got battered by Manchester City, and then they were the best of the rest against everybody else. And so I think they were a little bit like we know we're good, but where are we? Yeah. We need to play someone who's a Liverpool, a Chelsea, a Manchester City to find out. And they found out. Mm-hmm. And the harsh reality is we are much better than them. We were just they ultimately played into our hands. We pressed the living daylight out of them uh, and they couldn't deal with it. And what is, I think, good is that they've got a young side that will be better for having been beaten and seeing what the difference is between what they're doing now and where they want to get to. So I wouldn't be too disheartened if I was Arsenal because mm-hmm. that's that's a barometer for where they are. And I think that what the, those young players have shown is a consistency against the other sides, which I think is difficult to get when you're trying to become something new. So under Arteta, they are they are they. I I think they're moving in the right direction now, and yeah, they got battered. That's because they're not as good as us, and that can happen. Yeah, that completely agree. Yeah. and also from their point of view, going into the game was probably a good time to play us. You know, draw to Brighton, lost to West Ham, international break, all those injuries that you just mentioned. We're probably at our, well, hopefully our, our weakest. It would have been for anyone other than Arsenal at Anfield. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I actually saw it mentioned because it was, I, th- I think one of the Arsenal fan TV fellas, I think it was, I don't know, was it like Lee Judges or something, that's his name, mm-hmm. the, the ball fella. Um, the said about it be, I don't know, they, 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 I've stopped, I don't I actually really watch this, I just saw the headline of his video and it was like, it was a free hit or something. And, I, and someone else commented on one of our videos on YouTube saying that, you know, yeah, lol, you did, it was a good win and all that, but it was a free hit for us. And I was like, I don't think they understand what that means. And I get it. It's a, that's a nice positive spin from their situation. But it's not like they are... It was when Brentford players or when like a bottom half team plays, I get, I get the free hit thing. But that was the thing. To your point, I agree. That is that sort of acceptance of where they are. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's like saying, I, I, yeah, we're, yeah, we're a bit... Whereas, it is, it's was exactly it a, like saying I don't that. think West Ham fans were saying it was a free hit. <laughs> no, they weren't. And I don't think Brighton fans were saying it was a free hit. It was just a game to go and test yourself in. But the fact that Arsenal have been so constantly undone in that way, it's a bit like, oh, we'll retreat back in our shells and we'll get our defences back up again, which is fine. You've got to, you've got to live and you've got to get through your, your fandom in whatever way you can, really. And it's better than them ranting and raving, which they can't do at the moment, so they need to do something. Um, but I disagreed with that. You know, I, to your point, that was that's why it, it was so heartening as a Liverpool fan because it was that that was we had those injury things. We've had we've shown a little bit of a soft un, underbelly in recent weeks. I had no doubt that Arsenal should have been better capable. Of causing those problems, but we once we got over that initial twenty minute spell and a twenty minute half an hour spell in which, to be honest, Ross, they didn't trouble us. No. We just didn't trouble them. That was all really Arsenal had. A couple of moments, but one could save it from Allison from Aubameyang in the second half. One from distance. Even before yeah. that, I've seen a lot of people talking about like we were. It was flat and all that type of stuff. I don't. I disagree with that. To be honest, I think that's just what the commentators told you, yeah. and you've kind of ran with. You think about that Thiago chance and the Mane and the Mane chance that comes straight off the back of it. We weren't at our absolute top level, but we were softening them up nicely. We were warming them up, and we were about to explode. Now the Mikel Arteta thing, I think, does have a difference, and I think that narrative is correct. But the narrative that we were shit before that yeah. was is, is a, is, is a fault. It's that's a false Man United. Not playing into the hands of people's minds and going, you're not three and up after half an hour, and then there uh, things to think things are yeah. flat. You have to play yourself into these games. Maybe maybe that that free hit thing, I can't I, I do get that because maybe that's a realistic well, view of, of where they're at and where they are and in the experience of the other young players that Chris was talking about before. Just going well, actually, we're not really expected to do anything. Our track record at Anfield is is horrific, even you know at, at the best of times. Go out there, express yourselves, and, and see what you can do. And, and like Chris says before. See where you're at. Maybe that's that played into the players' minds because certainly after they went a goal or two down, the heads dropped. And maybe you know the lacking, I don't know, experienced players and that central leaders. And, and maybe you know, obviously once the, once the manager loses the red, say about Man City all the time. As soon as Pep loses his head, it goes through the team. I there's a good comment here actually for uh, one of our YouTube members who's been a wonder kid for ten months. Liam Beds, is any truth to the comments from Arsenal fans that our stadium and fans are quiet up until the Klopp Arteta kerfuffle, or they're just being salty? Because I, I, it flat means two different things. I think the atmosphere was flat because the game was very. I, I was trying to in my head. I was going, it's 
absorbing, but I think I was probably adding a, 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 a sous-son, too much hyperbole to that. It was a bit of a boring game. because. It, but I, I also wholeheartedly agree, Chris, that we were just warming our way into it. Liverpool... I like that. That's how we play. Now, unfortunately, we've started a lot of games quite fast this season, so you've got that expectation where you go, go and blow them away, we, you know, go and blow them away and feel feel great for it. We never, because I thought Arsenal were really well organised. I thought they were well disciplined. They, their aim was to keep us, to shut us out, to stop us from starting fast. And they, so they actually, I think they played quite well and I don't think we were brilliant, but also I don't think we were going gung-ho from minute one no, because we you could see the threat they offered. They would, they would, largely it was just battering it into the channel for Saka to, to try and chase, which we dealt with reasonably well. But it was cagey. It was, it was more, I don't know, more thought out the first 20 minutes rather than it being Liverpool, Liverpool shit. Yeah, I think that people don't... Don't talk about it enough, but you know the way when you get two actual boxers boxing rather than like a, a slobber knocker. Yeah, you know people just throw in fucking trying bombs to try and knock each other out. That's what Liverpool and, and Arsenal were doing in the first 20-25 yeah. Sparring minutes. a bit, just sparring, mm. finding out where, what each other was going to do in each individual situation and stuff. How they were going to try and work Mo Salah into a little bit of space, etc., etc. If I go here, do you follow me? Does that open up spaces later on and stuff like that? Liverpool do that consistently in every game they play. They'll do something, find out how it, how they're defending it, and do the same thing again. Therefore, I'm the attacker does something different. Yeah. And, and Liverpool have, have always done that. The other thing from that as well is, if you look at the Brighton game and the West Ham game, all the complaints were, we're committing too many bodies forward and leaving ourselves exposed at times. That's Liverpool learning on the job and going, well, actually, we'll be calculated. We won't throw everyone forward <coughs> at the same time because we've got Lacazette and Aubameyang and Saka. Who will, who will hurt you? Mm -hmm. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say, fucking score loads of goals. Or oh, by the way, we're asking the ball back. You've got two centre backs who are, who are fucked and exposed. So, yeah, no, it good. It was, Can, so before we move on too much, I, just, I wasn't going to bring this up at any point. I was going to keep it to myself for ages, actually, and probably until January. But because you mentioned that, like, the free hit thing, I would throw a bid in for Saka. Because I think if Arsenal fans are thinking they're not in the same league as us, they're actually in the same situation as Arsenal and Liverpool were a few years ago with Suarez. Yeah. You know, where, where all of a sudden the players, the fans don't think we're in the same league as us. The players certainly don't believe they're in the same league as us. I would be looking at some of their young players and going, you are going to fit our system. Arteta is going to make you a very viable option for Liverpool and press that fucking advantage while you can at Liverpool so. Football Club. They both, they both signed a new contract in the summer, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. I suppose does it these days? They let more yeah. money, and Arsenal get probably what they're worth if, if they were to if they were to move on. But no, I agree on that. I think Saka in particular, I think he's tremendous, and the fact that he can he's, he's he can play he can play in fullback if you need to. Like that's how that's how good he is. He's uh, no, he probably should have done. Yeah, um, but yeah, the, I mean, and to to the point though, the Arteta Klopp thing. I I you 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 were spot on, Chris. There that we just started to show what we could do, and it's interesting because. The way I kind of thought about it is the two teams were very... There was a tactical game going on, but when that happens, the, the, the better quality of footballer shines through and it, we, were, we finally worked Trent into some space. Mm -hmm. He gets some space on the right-hand side. He puts the cross in. Mane has the header. It drops down. And then it's it drops to Thiago. No, it drops to Thiago. That was the Arteta stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that was, that, that, was, that was the most encouraging thing, that it wasn't all on Arteta Klopp. But there's no getting away from it. Like, and I don't know, I, I, obviously I don't know what it comes across in the TV. The fact that everyone said it, it leads me to believe that it did, it was pretty noticeable. Yeah. But it was like someone dropped an atmosphere bomb on Anfield. And it was a bit like, it was like a jump cut from the Brighton game to the Atletico Madrid game, where all of a sudden the booing and the jeering and the hissing all switch on and Arsenal can't live with us. It was... Um, I mean, Michael Arteta did just him losing his head. It was very Pep Guardiola that it was. It, it made a tangible difference to what happened in the footy match. I, yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Like Chris says before, I think we, we were still kind of plugging away. But once you start pissing off the players and the, the Anfield crowd, then there's only one, one outcome for me. Klopp did the right thing there though, because Klopp and, and I, like, he had to go back I don't well. think he's totally. I don't think it's totally premeditated because he's a very emotional guy. But the fact that he doesn't, he fronts it. And he, he steps up, you know, broadens his chest out and stands up to him. He 
I think he's got fifty thousand people on his side. I'm fucking surprised that he did. Yeah. But again, and, and about six but inches. He, but, he, but he came out. <laughs> he came out and said, you know, it's funny you mentioned Atletico. The, the fact that he feels like Manny's being picked on, mm-hmm. and he's like, had that been a situation where he actually had done something wrong, I probably wouldn't have said anything. But these things, are like. I think Arteta wanted a free kick for for, uh, for an elbow, and he's like, "No, I'm not having it. I want to stick up for me player." So fucking good on him. Yeah, I, I, Klopp knew what he was doing. Yeah. Klopp absolutely. He leaned into it, shall we say? Yeah. Um, yes. I think that's the that's probably how he did it. Because after 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 we score again, he then turns round and does that to the fans. Yeah. So he knows. He does that after the first goal, doesn't yeah, he? And he does that. <laughs> so he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what? He might have he might have seen a little bit of Atletico, and and what that did at Atletico Madrid when their managers started doing all of that and how raucous it made it and he just he just as I say leaned into it Liverpool were unbelievable after that it could have happened with a tackle could have happened with a James Milner cruncher it, you just need a spark that was our spark I, I got, sorry Ross there was a comment on the, the, the vlog I did about, about the atmosphere and it's like why does it have to be like and it's like in an yeah. ideal world Klopp's on it the team's on it the fans are on it and you get them, and we'll have them games this season. And we, you know, the, and there've been examples of it, of it like that again. Atletico Madrid's a good example of that largely, but there's been a, hand, a handful of games already like that. But sometimes it's just someone's turn to step up. It's a bit like the like the front three as an example. More often than not, it's Salah. So more often than not, it's like it's, it's everything's everything's fine, and your best does the best does the best. There's a chance when it all goes all together, but it's like sometimes if the right one doesn't get you, the left one doesn't get you. If the left one doesn't get you, the middle one will get you, etc., etc. Liverpool weren't being scintillating on the pitch and the crowd weren't absolutely pumped for it. And so, to your point, it needed something else. And that and Jürgen's not daft. He knows he knows how important he is. And I think, I agree, I think the fact, I think even you've nailed it there. I think he leaned into it. I think he, his immediate reaction is to front up to, to, to Batman. But I think he, he, he'll hear the noise and go, yeah, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep going here and keep, and keep stoking it up. And it's fine margins, yeah. isn't it? If you can get, get yourself a small win in that sense, and like Chris said before, if you're in a game where people need to remember there's, there's two teams. Arsenal's first 20 minutes was don't concede, don't go behind, don't get don't get battered. When you're playing a team like that, you like you can't play heavy metal football. Not that we've played it for two or three years, so it doesn't it doesn't work like that. So you can piss people off and you can get the crowd up. Sometimes the crowd needs something on the pitch to get them going. You know, it goes goes both ways, doesn't it? But yeah. in this case, it was it was off the pitch, the and Klopp's trying to protect his player as well. Yeah. I don't know what the answer answer is to that fellow's comment on on your vlog or whatever, Paul. But every best atmosphere I've been in has always been with Liverpool starting from behind. <laughs> you know, it just it just seems to be the way that it is. Where either you start from behind, or the atmosphere goes up because you're behind, or something like that. Or the only other way is big occasion, big occasion, and Arsenal aren't a big occasion anymore. And that's the thing. <laughs> no, no, but that and, there's and, an expectation. When expectation creeps in, atmosphere goes down. Yeah, and and look, in a general sense, I think there's a bit of that at the moment. And I, I, I just think there was a little bit of creeping negativity around the place. And I, I got this from from Brighton. Brighton was a bit, was very normal. It was all a very normal game of football. That you know, it was just there was no. There was no drama. There was no like, like there were no cues in the cop anymore. It was like it was the first game where everyone had gone back to their old routines, and there were a few you know younger fans and all that kind of stuff in there. And it was a bit. It was very much a day. It felt like a day out Brighton, and Arsenal had a little bit of that to it. You know, I, I don't know what I expected it to be raucous from the start, and it and it, but, and but, it, and but it wasn't. A three o'clock Brighton kickoff, like Chris says, isn't like oh yeah, get yourself. Oh, no, get yourself but, not, but that's the point. Yeah. I, this idea, and I think people love people love to have pot shots on it when Anfield isn't an app. Absolute cauldron for ninety five minutes. It's like, oh, well, the Anfield atmosphere is a myth, and it's like, <laughs> it's not. There's a reason you've heard of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, these things aren't fucking invented. It's not CGI. You know what I mean? It's not pumped in. It's a thing. You've seen it's a thing. You know it's a thing. So what are you saying? You know it's a point of pride to us. So it's just an attempt to stick one in, stick one in the ribs. And I often say this as well. Never get. It's very rare that an away fan base has a high opinion of the atmosphere in a sta- in a stadium because you're singing the whole game. You don't. You can't. You can't hear what else is going Absolutely on around you. And I can only think of a handful of occasions. And it's normally been I either when they put the they they're singing sections next to you, next to you, next to you and they've clackers. got a fucking drum. So like Swansea, Leicester, yeah, Stoke Swansea. has got a bit of that. Like, uh, and if it, if the game doesn't go your way, you can get you can get drowned out in those situations. But by and large, go to big big stadiums. 
It's not. And Arsenal, just, and they, uh, by the way, on this, I mean, not we're talking about the match, but like they are the, they've become a really generic football team. And I don't know when that happened, but like they're another one of those football teams that I expect more. I expect a bit of banter or a bit of rivalry with our with our historical rivals. And they've got nothing. They've just you know got the what? same songs as everyone else. Like, it's yeah. fucking mad. Yeah. They, they've, they've been a long time since they've won the fucking league. Yeah. I think, what are we talking now? 15, 16 years? Honestly, I can't remember the last <laughs> was time. It they was it Invincibles their last win? I think it might have been. So I think that was 2004, 2005. Right. So they're already over halfway to what Liverpool went through with the 30 years thing. And I actually think that they are very similar in a lot of ways to us in that they understand that they're not as good as they were and they're actually quite accepting of playing good sides now. Like there are a, a, an outspoken minority of Arsenal fans who just want to fucking th- throw everything to the torches and burn it all down and stuff like that. But I think the majority of Arsenal fans actually understand where they are as a football it's club probably right nice now. and a peaceful life to not have it be the the, the one it, you know it's not the extremely one it's not on and bear camp tearing up world football but it's also not like as you say pitchforks at the ready screaming and shouting about everything that needs to, needs they, to be they've tried a lot of different things now and they've i think they've got a, a manager who they believe will take them back up to the top and I think when you get a manager that you believe is going to take you up to the top, patience all of a sudden is there. Yeah. And so for them, they're not screaming and shouting about it this season because they understand that it's a process. And they've watched Liverpool go through that process mm-hmm. and they want and they want to follow us in our footsteps to get there. You get a manager, you get a system, you work hard and you go for it. On the subject of, just randomly, I just want to drop this in, I'm so glad to say that the Ollies at the wheelchair got booed around Anfield, which is, which is great. So it got started in the main stand and it got booed and then it died off yeah. it was great uh, he's gone it's not, not it's funny it's not really our business it shouldn't be getting strong about it. it's wool behaviour um, right uh, the game itself then uh, yeah we talk about Trent. look Trent's quality again he creates that he creates that big opportunity the real unsettling moment for Arsenal just before the Arteta Klopp kick off he gets the free kick I mean it's, it's a wonderful Joel Matip moment that's the that's what I want to see from Matip I don't want to see because those runs never lead to like a, a positive conclusion they, they bring down eventually but if you can just skip past one or two men open something up and get brought down for a foul nailed on um, it was all very easy yeah. Trent cross no like let's change the run let's change the angle of the kick let's go for a second phase to upset the line he just whipped in a perfect delivery and man he just ended in at the back post yeah I think that's what you want from Joe Matip in the sense if there's nothing on go and make something happen and, and he did that the delivery I think he's exceptional but also I think the defending's a bit naive as well and again that's what you're talking about taking your licks and when you're playing decent teams that put in crosses like Trent can do and then you've got Sadio Mane who's been written off and was getting a bit of stick as well before before he actually scored the goal which is just fucking bizarre as well these are the process that they have to go through to learn these things don't they mm-hmm. <laughs> he does he gave the ball away a bazillion times before he scored <laughs> he literally did yeah. I was so frustrated <laughs> with him like so frustrated but I know that he's going to fucking make me eat my words he does it every single week he's the second highest scorer in the league yeah. it's, it's <laughs> fucking ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous I looked after 18 minutes of me app to see how many times he gave the ball away after 18 minutes he gave the ball away seven fucking times and I was like oh my god like you know what I mean and I didn't check again because I thought I'm just going to get myself wound up on him here next thing he pops up and scores the goal again and you're like this is what he does he just seems to not be arsed by him by him being a bit poo at times but that's because he was brilliant over the course of the 90 minutes when you take everything into account but that's his game though isn't it he needs to stop and go past people and take risks if he doesn't take the risk then people are just going to complain that he's not fucking doing anything or he's playing it safe or you stop you turn around you go back and then the momentum's lost and you've lost your chance for attacking. Well, the whole thing happened. I mean, like, there's one who tries to play um, Shimakas to do and totally, totally Mm. fluffs it. But then he does later on. For the for, for Salah's chance that saved at the near at the near post by Ramsdale, he, he plays a, a perfectly weighted ball through, through yeah. to him. You're right. That, he keeps himself a, on his toes, doesn't he? He does. He, I mean, Mane's Sadio Mane's an enigma. He just yeah. is. He's just like that. You know, he, he's, he's 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 it's just his lovability gets him through because I adore him and he's just amazing. I just want to give him a big cuddle. You know what I mean? Because I just think he's great. His big smile and the way he plays. I love angry Mane. It's one of my favourite things to see when he just. 
decides to unleash, and he did. He, I, I think it's probably one of those things with like, you know, like when you get you get more defensive over something when someone calls you on something you know to be true. <laughs> it's like you know, like you've been caught out on something, so you're ready with your pre-prepared defense. Klopp knows because man, he's been an angry bastard this this season, so he knows. Like, you like, I just don't want to have to sub him a half time again because he's going to get sent off, so he doesn't want them doing what. Now, man, he, again, he was one of them. He, I thought he, was, I thought he, by the end of the game, I thought he was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And that, it was. Go after the defender if they think he's shit at playing week in week out, and they don't know what he's going to do, and the second guessing him, and he's running them fucking ragged. I think, I think I've, I've drawn up some kind of graph in my head while you two were talking about Sadio Mane that will explain what type of a footballer he is. Now, on this one is goals scored and chances created, and on this line here is for the for the podcast listeners, what your x-axis is yeah, your goal scored. My x-axis goal scored. is goal scored. My y-axis is frustrated annoying twat right <laughs> and then you've got Salah really low on the annoying twat y-axis but really as far over as you get on goal scored and then you've got Mane and Lukaku on their own in the top corner for annoying twat yeah. and score loads of goals and then you've got everybody else I think, down but I think I've got to the point all of our fun three are like that all of them like I thought all four I thought all four of them are fucking like that they're all absolutely because you know what because none of them are Fernando Torres yeah. so they're not all like silky, gorgeous, like Torres with you know, like he's got everything, yeah, all that stuff they had go for him, and he glide and just the the, the Dawson and everything about Fernando Torres was just utter perfection. He was just beautiful, and he's got wonderful goals. He was just like a, a, a supreme goal scorer. None of our lads are that. They're all really Fernando Torres could look good in a sleeping bag with the hood pulled up. Oh god, yeah, no absolutely. one else in the world can yeah, do that. And he'd still finish better than most of our front <laughs> three naturally as well. Like, but the um, that's the thing about all of our lads that they are they've definitely all got that that. Quality. When when it's not working, you're like, what the hell? What the hell are you, what, what are you doing? Are you a footballer? What, what are you? And then like all of a sudden they just they roll they roll two and score. The money thing was great because it was like um, the missed header at the end of West Ham was like like teed him up for this almost. It's like he's gone. I'm not right. Okay, and he's like been sleeping and, and dreaming and having nightmares about missing that header, and then one crops up to him and he just sticks it away this time. Yeah, no problem. Love him. Um, but there must have been so many fucking chances season. before we got that goal, wasn't there? Where and it, it made me laugh actually. And I don't know whether you'll have seen this on the highlights or anything, Paul. You will have seen it, Ross. But Ramsdale was laughing after the Trent Alexander Arnold save. Now, I'm not a goal keeper right uh, but I've watched enough football over the years to tell you that that's not the reaction that I want from a goalkeeper I want them Jordan to be angry Pickford. at me fucking defenders yeah. for giving opportunities he was like enjoying the yeah. I'm making the challenge. Of boss saves <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like scream at your fucking defenders and tell them to stop letting them have shots at you because yeah. he wasn't laughing at the fucking end of the game was he when nope. it was 4-0 like, nope. that, like would you as a, as a goalkeeper would you not be screaming at your defenders going mate Stop them having shots rather than laughing about no, making no, no. a save. No, hundred percent. Thought that yeah. was really weird. The only and he was good, by the way. But weird. The only, maybe if there's a situation where you've got a good battle going on with someone, so like you and and you're thwarting them and you're having a, and you're having a laugh with it. It's like you're two people at the peak of the powers having a good. I'll both having a good game, but you're keeping them out, and you would have a bit of that. But like. Unless he's like busy mates with Trent and he's but, just going, I've just saved your shot. Ha, ha. It was, it was, it, it felt very much like a lad enjoying his day out as opposed to, yeah. I thought he's, I, it's I thought a free he, it, isn't I it? I thought he's a bit crap. He was fucking brilliant apart from everyone we scored. He's, well, but he I wasn't though because that, that Thiago shot he spills and has to wake up for himself and then there's, there's another one. It, it, and my, most that, of them are straight at him. My well. takeaway from the game was that was like, because of course, you you can't tell whether saves are good or not in 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 the sort of in the heat of the moment, but the amount of stuff that he didn't hold and 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 that spill, he was just he's he's clearly what they need at the moment. But if they want to take another step up, they're going to need another goalkeeper upgrade in a, in, a, in a year or two when they get if they can establish themselves back in the top four and they want to take that next step up, they'll need another another. He's Dean Henderson. He's just a, he's another Dean Henderson. He's like a good shot stopper. He's a good goalie, but he's not like the Jota save was good. He's not powerful. I, I, like was, was, back was, yeah, yeah, but Jota should have also just fucking scored. Yeah, because he had plenty of time. To we do should it. have passed um, Look, let's go through the goals. Let's talk Jota. Jota second half, and then Liverpool just moved through the gears. And it was—I mean, it's always great about that because we do always tend to play better in the second half, and particularly when we win the toss and we kick towards the cop, and it's there in front of me. It's just—it's the, the best of the best because you completely forget about anything that annoyed you in the first half, and it's all laid out in front of you. And the way that and that the pressing machine. 
was just we just undid them. You could watch them fall crumbling mentally in front of you. That Diogo Jota goal, though, I mean, Tavares, the, uh, Robbie in the Oppo preview was keen to go on about how good he's been and how, how he actually would have put him in ahead of Tierney for a bunch of reasons. And I was going, Tierney's got a good record against Salah. I'd be a bit worried if Tierney was starting. No, go with Tavares. Um, Picked himself up as well, didn't he? Yeah, well, look, yeah, 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 yeah. They'll know my name. Yeah. They won't know me before the game, but they will by the end. He oh, right, yes, they yeah. will. Right, Spot right, on. Right. Yeah, that's called manifest destiny. That I yeah. think you make that happen Brilliant. by hook or by crook. Um, he pooed his pants and passed the ball to Diogo Jota. It was and it was so Michael Owen. Mm. Like he had, he's got, he's, and I've said this before. He's very, he's very Suarez. He's very Suarez old, but that was with. very Michael Owen. Just arriving in the right place at the right time. The coolness. To drop the shoulder once, but then, fuck it, I'm just going to do it again. The little hips way to send the keeper. Oh, my God. He's obviously been watching videos of Bobby Firmino versus Arsenal in, in over the past years, hasn't he? But again, that, that ties back to the frustrating thing of creating all these opportunities that we have. Arguably harder opportunities and then snatching at them and, you know, just scuffing shots or, put, or putting them wide or, or down the keeper's throat in, in, in various games. To just go and go, go and do that against you know Ben White, who's been in good form for Arsenal actually. To be fair, mm-hmm. puts him on his arse, sends him back to Brighton, and then obviously Ramsdale, who's who has been in good form, got nowhere near him. Yeah. So yeah, good on him. But I think that the 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 pressing that you're talking about there, I think was the best thing from Liverpool that that, 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 that impressed me the most. And and in comparison to to West Ham and Brighton, we all talked about the, the midfield dynamic and how it works, and how it doesn't. I think actually Chamberlain deserves a lot of credit for for his work. Fabinho was Fabinho was fucking amazing again, but also the comparisons to needing Genie back or a Genie type player, that's what helped Liverpool in, that, in, in terms of the pressing was the work rate defensively and offensively. And I think you know Chamberlain who's, who took a bit of shit, I thought I thought he was brilliant. Chamberlain's played I think it's like three almost three times as many minutes now this season as he played in the whole of last season. You know, that's his bit three back to back games is more games than he put together last season. It's his biggest run since the title winning season, which people forget he played a lot of football boarders that year and he was he was really good. Um I don't I, I don't want to kind of like do him down because I don't think there's any need here, Chris. Atletico and Arsenal, they were two really good midfield performances from Oxford Chamberlain. He was a bit meh against West Ham, but when we come back to this, is he our Seventh choice midfielder, eighth choice midfielder. It doesn't matter. The point is that that was a really good Alex Oxley change. Yeah, I think when you look at the stats, he won the ball back in the final third more than anybody else. You know, for Liverpool, Um, he won the ball back full stop more than anybody else for Liverpool. Made a great block in the pitch. I think it's his first half, isn't he? Two really important clearances. The one in the first half when he gets a stye across it, and there's another header as well. I think that tracking back was absolutely superb for that first one that you're talking about. That was early on in the game. That could have that could have changed the entire complexion of the game. Ox was brilliant and yeah it's it's tough isn't it because I, I feel like I'm a bit like you Paul and that you you almost want to caveat it with something but I'm going to let the sentence end with Ox was brilliant yeah yeah I, I really I really enjoyed his performance and it, it was a it was a good time for him to do it really because well it's Arsenal and if Liverpool Liverpool proved themselves levels above Arsenal and Ox proved himself Better than them, you know. He'd been linked with a move back. And it was something that was brought up on it by the club legends in the Discord, or which I spoke to Robbie about on the Oppo preview. That he, you know, you're looking at Oxley Chamberlain and going, "What what happens next for him?" Well, let we, when he puts in performances like he has done, we worry about that in the summer. Let let like that that decision can be made because if he continues to perform like this, I'd be, I'd. I'd You'd have no qualms about keeping Oxley Chamberlain round if he's, you know, if he's happy to be in and around the squad because he's got the quality, he's fit again, which is something that is important. All him and Divock are great examples. Of this last season should not be held up as a barometer for anyone. Yeah, anyone. You, know, it should be a We should be allowed a free pass for anyone who wants it, whether we, whether it's right or not. And whether we want to, you know, even put a chunk, a chunk of games down, what we should just do is just go. Everyone's allowed last season. What can you do this season? Let's just draw a line under it. And and Divox, Divox doing the business when he's been given his chances and Ox has started doing yeah. business. Well, Ox has got to do it because I think Arsenal's a good motivation for him, like you said, but he's also got to do it because when's he getting other opportunities? You know, he needs to stake his claim now before, you know, I think Curtis Jones put a tweet out last night, you know, with a little little time thing. He's coming back soon. Then you start getting Hendo back and Thiago's coming back into the fold. If he doesn't perform now, then the opportunities that are, are potential opportunities for him later on in the season 
he's not going to get. Yeah. And he's only going to get them because other people are injured, which is the situation he's found himself in now. And when you're not ready for them, when you get when they then sporadically come along, he doesn't feel to me like a lad who can drop in one in four and have a, no, a really I, big I, impact. But on again, confidence match. and rhythm is, is, is massive for him as well. You know, he said he's, he's the most he's played in, what, two two years nearly, or certainly a year. But he needs that under his belt. It'll be interesting to see with Porto, and I want to talk about that for the build-up show later. He needs that for me. You know, mm. just keep it going, keep his confidence going. Yeah. The belief the manager's got in him, keep that going. And if you can keep Cater and Curtis Jones and everyone else at bay... That's why we have a squad. That's why we have a squad there because you want the competition there. Do you know what I liked about the midfield performance? The balance of the midfield. Because I was a little bit concerned going in what type of balance we would have with Fabinho, Thiago and Oxley Chamberlain. And actually, I think from the last sort of few weeks, that was probably the best balanced midfield that we've actually had, which I think is down to Thiago, to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest yeah. with you. I think he might be one of our better best players. Like people, I, I just adore watching him play football. He's, he's just on a different fucking plane to everybody else. He barely ever gives the ball away. He always seems to be in the right position at the right time. But he allowed us to have that balance, I think. Because I think from all of our midfield options, Ox is probably the most attacking one and probably the one who's prone to probably be in the wrong position more often than not. But the the three of them, the way they work together to, to win the ball back was fucking superb. But that, and that makes me even happier to think that what's that midfield going to look like with Hendo there? Because I think Hendo links the right-hand side much better than Oxlade-Chamberlain links the right-hand side or anybody else links that right-hand side. So I think we've now found... And I think it is because of Thiago that we will now see our midfield start to dominate games more and more. Well, it goes back to the back that run at the end of last season. We finally got Thiago and Fabinho in midfield together, and we were miles better for it. I mean, like you know, we we stopped conceding goals with a far worse defence than we've got now in terms of personnel available, and largely it was just getting the midfield right. I and mean, that's where we've we've had it wrong this season. That we've not been able to put together that kind of you know being solid. And being workman like, but also we've had the, we've had the attacking quality in spades. We've scoring goals for fun, but you know I mentioned that a couple of times in recent weeks about just getting the dial right. And Thiago allows us to do that. I thought he was playing yeah. like, in in a midfield of like we've got like if if Fabinho's like polished steel, Thiago's Mercury. He's just. He's incredible. The, the way he moves, the way he glides around the pitch, he, yeah, he's, he's a joy to build. Uh, personnel's definitely a thing, but I think tactically as well, as I mentioned before, not throwing loads of bodies forward, and it helps the way the game plays out. They don't have to do that. But any time Arsenal did get the ball, they were either pressed out or they got forward, and it was nullified because we had bodies back to, to deal with it. And Chamberlain's work rate for me, I think, and Thiago's as well, as Chris says there. To, to work the work rate that we missed without without Genie that everyone was complaining about, we changed that and we did it and didn't let Arsenal yeah. sniff. I think I thought I don't normally watch Match of the Day's analysis. In fact, I never watched Match of the Day's analysis apart from this weekend, where I thought you know it was quite interesting. Um, and I don't know whether they do this a lot, but they were talking about Liverpool's pressing and how we worked Arsenal into the middle of the field and stuff like that. And what I think was a, I think it was Shearer. It was very good analysis. But I think he almost missed the point of it. And the point for me is, it's Mane and Salah's position which forces people inside. Nobody else. The midfielders can't force you to play it into the middle. It's it's how Salah and Mane bend their run and, and, and create that pressing shadow so that you can't pass it out to the fullbacks. Once that's been put in place, you've got nowhere else to go. You are being funneled into the centre and then it's the midfielder's job to get the ball. Yeah. And that's what Liverpool did brilliantly. It was set by Mane and Salah and then we converged on Arsenal and they couldn't deal with it. It was a point where actually me and my dad were chatting about the match last night over dinner and he, he, he kind of said, Thiago, when you, he's, he's very good at tackling when he's not when he's in the right position to do it. No one's going to tackle when someone's running at full speed at you and you're stood still. No so, one in the world's really done. But it's a unique Tom skill. Dunn. And that's why it's so hard to get good centre-halves because defending in space, you know, Lovren couldn't do it, Skirtle couldn't do it, Torre couldn't do it. We've gone through a list of centre-halves and DMs who weren't capable of doing that. Now we've actually got a few and it's a noticeable difference because that's a level, again, that's a level above stuff. Thiago's not a lone six but the amount of times that he like slid in and won the ball or just nicked it off someone or just appeared and got the, got in the, in the right time he's clearly a very good it's mad because there'll be people going yeah it's Thiago Alcantara but it's like I never watched him at Bayern 
I know I've I've seen like, highlights and like, I can see him what a footballer he is, but I've never been able with my own eyes to consistently watch Thiago play as a footballer. So I'm just I'm I'm stating the bloody obvious for people who have been long term fans of him, but for people who are coming to him like a lot of Liverpool fans are, who can only judge him on what they've seen him at Liverpool. Yeah, that, that he, he he's good and he <laughs> he's really and good. He's dead good in the air for a little man. Yeah, yeah he is. he's great. <laughs> I am. Um, I. Love Mo Salah's goal. I love the fact that Sadio Mane, you know, just draws an entire team's worth of people. Mate, it was um, six touches to... from Allison to the back of the net. Allison, Allison knocked the ball out. It was a header by Costas. It was a physics-defying header by Diogo Jota, and yeah. I stand by that. Yeah. He did how he got that the power piece. on that header oh. by doing this. I've got no fucking <laughs> idea, right? Like casually glancing out the corner of his eye. Yeah, he gave the ball my mum's withering look. And he went fucking flying. Right? And then Mane, he had one touch where he passed it. He didn't, it wasn't a miscontrol. He passed it to himself 30 yards in front of him. Ramsdale should have come out. He had one more touch. That was number five from the goalkeeper. And Salah knocks it in the back of the net from a yard out with touch six. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was it was genuinely, and I, I love the fact I love it because there's a couple of opportunities where like, Thiago in particular has got one that he should square in, in in that half, and I think he gets a bit he's so made up with his present that he's just like I'm just gonna slot this in and look look incredible, and it's it's forgivable. But the Manic Salah thing in particular, it was it was indicative of how they both are, Ross. You know, we're talking about the, the league's top goal scorers; they're both flying. And the fact that they both they both recognise, I think that well, look, when the opportunity arises, I'll set the other lad up because it increases the likelihood that I'll get another one back off him at some point in return. And the fact that Mo, it's like sending people Christmas cards, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> just yeah, do yeah. it to get one back. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. But like Mo Salah, I think he, he he was trying a little too hard to score. I think on on, on the day, but I love the fact that for him. The fact that he just gets given one on a plate, you know, he's not had to slalom past seven men and score goals. Sometimes he'll just be in the right place at the right time and he'll have the right service. Yeah, I think it's always been the case with both of them. No, like, you know, I know they had that argument at Burnley a couple of seasons ago and whatever it was, but they're both strikers. They both want to score goals. They're both hungry, for, and obviously the race for the golden boot or whatever it is. They want to outscore each other, which I think is quite is quite healthy at times. But I think, they've, like you said, they've addressed the situation. And if the world's best player is unmarked inside the six-yard box and you've got three players on you, well, that opportunity says just pass the fucking ball because his probability of scoring is a lot higher than this. Yeah. It's naive from Arsenal. I think it's Gabriel that, that runs runs across and, and goes to, to Mane and Ben White's already gone. It's just just that from Arsenal at that point, isn't it? Like you said, Ramsdale's probably that old-school goalkeeper, a bit like maybe David De Gea, good shot stopper. Yeah. He's not a sweeper keeper. Good point. You know, Alison Becker comes off his line for, for that chance when Manny passes it to himself. Yeah, <laughs> he does. It was a terrible touch. It was a fucking terrible touch. It was like. a, a powerful driving into <laughs> space. Terrible. Um, we can get, have a look at the top goal scorer chart at the moment then. Um, Mohamed Salah, 11 goals and 7 assists in tw- <laughs> 12. It's ridiculous. Second top goal scorer, Sadio Mane, set on seven goals joint, of course, with Jamie Vardy, seven goals and an assist in 12. Well. Yeah, Mikel Antonio, Diogo Jota on five goals. Five goals ridiculous. If you could bring that graphic back up, um, the goal contributions, it's not shown on here, is it? But you can see Salah's got 18 goals and assists together. Second in the league is at Antonio with half that amount. Yeah. Like, it's actually ridiculous. For goal nine, contributions, nine. he's double the next person in the entire league. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Brilliant, that isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And he is, of course, he's actually top of the assist charts as well. Salah joined top of Paul Pogba. We heard a lot about that last season when it was Harry Kane, but we're not hearing a lot about being top of both charts yeah. this season. I wonder where that is. Racist. Because you can't play Albania every week. That's why. Yeah. Um, Trent Alexander Arnold, six assists. Um, in total, what was the stat? I mean, it's including the England games. It was, games. It was nine, nine assists. Nine assists and a goal in his last six games. <laughs> Which he was quick to correct the, the interview yeah, on. He's like, and a goal, and a goal lads, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely magnificent. Um, yeah, um, let's talk about, well, two things actually. Jordan Henderson um, coming off the bench and just being oozing class, taking a touch, volleying Sadio Mane clean through on goal with his second, with his like his second touch, and Taki scoring. Chris, I, I am, I was almost 
happier with that goal than I was for, with the exception of Diogo, which was like I've I've watched that goal back. I've watched the highlights back twice since since uh, since Saturday night, and I laugh out loud every time. I go Ooh! every time he does the second hip sweep. Um, I made up for attacking Minamino, genuinely. Yeah. I mean, the celebration, the fact that, that like the, the way the players reacted around them. I don't think there's any doubts anymore that he's, he's integrated. He's definitely part of the squad. He's clearly loved as much as anyone else. And he, we've said this before, he just needs to, when he gets his opportunities, just do what he can do. He keeps... He keeps doing this. He gets a chance to league cup. He scores. Comes off the bench. Goes that. It 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 feels important. It, it it does, and it will, and it will become important because obviously it's the nine games or something we've got between now and the end of December or whatever. We've obviously got the Afcon. That's going to become important. He's going to become a big part of this side, not squad, at some point over the next month or two. Um, I think it's anytime anybody scores with the first touch, it's just the best thing in football. To yeah. be honest with you, it's just one of the most fun things. Isn't it? It's like, oh, he scored with his first touch. Are you kidding me? His first, the lad's first touch. I was like, I know, but it was from two yards out, mate. Yeah. Like, he, should, he should really be. Yeah. But it's just brilliant. I thought Sadio messed it up again, to be honest. But no, I'm completely wrong. Sadio knows exactly what he's doing. He takes his time. Salah passes the ball to Trent Alexander Arnold. There's no better person to have the ball in the six yard box with his feet. Trent Alexander knocks it across and protects it. It was important because I agree. I thought Mane fluffed his lines a bit, but then he did the right thing. And it's this what is what, keep, keep turning. Well, no, but, they, but this is You're the point. Keep turning. No, but, you, if you, keep turning. but I've seen him and I've seen plenty of worse forwards. Shoots after that. Just, it's fuck it. I've fucked it. So I'm just going to have one last swing at it. But he doesn't. He just holds on and holds on and waits for support. So he does the second best thing, having having not not strode on and just, just killed the game off himself. Not then completely capsizing the opportunity. By just having a little bit more, you know, game intelligence around that was great. And to the point, Trent Alexander-Arnold is a right back, yeah. and he's at the byline. Yeah, very similar to one of the Man United goals. Actually, I think it was a similar situation where it was on the edge of the box, passed out to Trent. Well, we created a lot of those chances that against Arsenal. Actually, the very, the very Man City chances mm. where you just you've got four lads in and around the six-yard box. One of them's gonna eventually be free to tap yeah. in, and that's probably the best thing about Taki's Taki's chance. You know, he's an opportunity to develop or, or not develop, stop, but still find himself in the right position after forty eight seconds with his first touch. <laughs> that's all you can ask for with, with those people. You know, we said before about these these people that are coming on, and Chris says, you know, what coming up over the next month or so. You need those people. And Klopp came out afterwards and said, "I'm so happy for him. Like, you know, it's been hard for him. I think we're also quick to forget that the you know the time that he came in was difficult for him, new country, blah blah blah, all the COVID stuff." Like and goes out on loan. He to come in, take his opportunity. God, I and, forgot. I genuinely yeah. forgotten about him going out on yeah. loan as well. And then yeah. all you know, in front of the crowd as well. Like some people thrive off that, and it's almost that kind of acceptance thing. Or you've you've arrived. I know that's a bit a bit dramatic, but for him to score the goal at Anfield against Arsenal, great with four 0 up, but also the appreciation and the feeling he'll get from everybody around him, his teammates, Klopp, and, and the whole crowd. That's what he needs. But it's a bit of it, and I know if if people are inclined to be wound up by such statements, then fine, I can't change that. But like. Simicast, Thiago, I mean, I know Minamino's been there longer than all of them, but these are, it's like, it's genuinely like having a bunch of new signings, but they've all come in, but with the benefits of having learned everything about the side and the system and, and knowing everyone and being happy and settled, because mm. I've not really seen any of these lads play for us. They feel new to me, but we're getting mm. it in a really like a special new universe where you, it's like they've had it all downloaded into their brains automatically. I thought it was great for Taki to just score that goal. He's got Trent coming over and high-fiving him and all that kind of stuff. And then he just turns around and he just gives it a little like, fist pump to the cop and everyone goes wild for him. That's They're the things that yeah. can start a career off at, yeah. at, a, at a football club, can't they? And, you know... Every person, never mind football, is different and they all react differently in different situations. Now, I might be getting this completely wrong, but judging from the outside and looking at Taki Minamino, he doesn't seem like the most confident person that you're ever going to get. He came into the Premier League champions, you know, and at a low transfer fee, which I don't know, I don't... People often talk about high transfer fees and having something to carry on your shoulders, but when you're just a fucking flick of the coin, yeah. well, just sort of... It might work. We're not asked if it doesn't. I think that could have a negative impact on a player coming into a football club. There's a bit of imposter club. syndrome as well, where you've exactly. made that jump straight to Liverpool. Exactly. So you're then in there. And you, then everything that Ross mentioned happens, 
And you probably don't feel like you deserve to be there. And some some people need that shot in the arm, that confidence boost of everybody else. When you've got 10 other players running at you with big smiles on their face, that's the type of thing that stays with you. That's, the, that's your acceptance in the side. That's what he's needed. He needs that to sort of fill him up and take that into the next game. And to play with those players as well, because I think the majority of the time that he has played, it's been Carabao Cup games, FA Cup games, and he's playing with... You know, kids and, yeah. and and other fringe players. Whereas, the thing about the goals when he has scored, what Crystal Palace when we we beat him seven nil, he was on amongst on the first team. But yeah, again against Arsenal, he's got the players around him. I'm not saying that the other other ones are crap, but I think it's also hard for his development when he's just playing with kids, kids against and Arsenal. Yeah, in front of cop. Yeah, it's a big thing, isn't it? Like yeah. you know what I mean. We take it for granted because we score loads of goals against Arsenal nowadays, but most teams don't. It's not that stat the Five out of the ten fucking times they've ever been beaten by four goals or more is Liverpool. Mm. <laughs> yeah. In your face. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Um, yeah, no, great for great for attacking him. I mean, no, look, we're going to need him. You know, he's going to need to be able to deliver in the next two months, certainly. Um, so that's yeah, very, very, very positive for him indeed. I, just on that thing, you know, you look at those lads who were in that Salzburg team that we came up against in the Champions League, and he's in a front three with Tim Harland and uh, Huang. He's up balls now, isn't he? Well, exactly. You know, he's the one who makes the leap. Like the bigly, I know, I know Harland goes to Dortmund, but. Salzburg to Dortmund's not the leap that Salzburg to Liverpool was correct, certainly correct, not at that time, correct. and Huang goes to Leipzig and then and, and is now on loan on loan at Wolves. That's a, that is, you know, and, and it makes you wonder psychologically about this because everyone's been going on about Huang and how big, how, how good he is, and how important he is, and blah blah blah. You don't know whether how tacky felt about himself in that side. Did he see himself as the best player in that Salzburg side, or did he see him as the second best or third best? There's a chance he might have thought of himself as the as the third best of those lads. And that how do you how do you cope how do you cope with all that? But ultimately, you know, we're kind of filling all this in. Klopp said himself, he thinks he's good. He thinks he's good enough to be there. Unfortunately, there's just other lads who are in the side who have earned that place in the side. And to the you know, we're seeing this with Oxley Chamberlain now. And we've seen it with a bunch of lads over the years. You, 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 sometimes you just need your moments. You just need something to happen. I, I'm glad that he's doing this now because I wouldn't want to get to January or the end of December for the AFCON stuff and all of a sudden Taki's coming in having not scored for us this season mm-hmm. and you're thinking oh god and he's probably thinking oh god you know all, it's, all, it's all on me you know this next month leading up to that's going to be massive for him and this is a very encouraging step in the right direction um, and in general for Liverpool I think actually Ross you know as we talked about on the top of the show that was a Potential moment where we were going to look back on the season of how did Liverpool end up in a in a in that mire of fighting for fourth instead of fighting for the title. We needed to win that game. We very much needed yeah. to win that game, and the fact that we did it in in such a manner where it left people in no doubt that Liverpool are miles better than the than that pack, and that pack of teams is. Take your pick from, I know West Ham beat us, but West Ham, Leicester, Arsenal, Manchester United, there's probably a handful of other teams who are in there, you know, Everton would have done Brighton, maybe. In there. Brighton, mm. sorry, yeah, definitely Brighton. Um, actually doing that to Arsenal, I think, shows that you know, we, we're right. Yeah, we're, we, we're, we, we need to be grouped with Chelsea and City and not with anyone yeah. else. And it's good because of the international break on the performances against Brighton and West Ham, but also for the next chunk of games that we've got. You know, we, we, we break things up into, I don't know, thirds maybe, going, OK, well, that part of the season's done now. What's, what have we got coming up next? We've got ourselves in, in a good position now where we've won a game and we've got a long stretch of games between now and Christmas. Keep the momentum going because, well, you know, you draw to Arsenal, you lose to Arsenal, it's like, oh, fuck, I lose Arsenal. And who's Arsenal about Porto? And then you're playing Southampton at home, you're thinking, well, OK, go again. Whereas now it's beat Arsenal, just win all your Premier League games this, this month and we're at home. <laughs> just the, the just hardest, win them all. I think the hardest thing from, from Liverpool's perspective on Saturday was the fact that Chelsea absolutely wiped the floor with Leicester. Yeah. Mm. That's where the pressure from the game came from for and, me. And also our team's only going to get better because of all the injuries that we've got to come back. You know, you can win that game 4 against Arsenal with all the players that we have missing yeah. with the lack of depth on the bench that was mentioned before. If you don't have to use half of that or you do use it and you're using it for Tyler Morton's coming and making his Premier League debut, we've well, got that out the way for him. You know, that, that that pressure that he's got on there, Klopp giving a massive hug, you've been swapped for Thiago, Taki come on scoring a goal, Hendo coming on because you're falling up and you're getting in some fitness. 
all those things play into the next couple of weeks. Mm, yeah, it's all again. It's, it's it's all about how you choose to look at things. The prism through which you choose to judge things oh, is set fire to everything. No, yeah, but like you know, I'm not I'm the Man City fans weren't crying because they had a bunch of kids involved at the, at the weekend. They were dead excited because they wanted to see more of Cole Palmer and the other kid who came on as well. You, you know, the the who's got that power? Yeah, he's, he's a good player. But you know, Tyler Morton's a, a good player. Now, we don't know how good he can be yet because well, we don't need to. He's asked. Mm. <laughs> he's, you know, he was good enough to come in and he's been good enough to play games for us and, and put minutes on the pitch for us this season. Deca, that should be that should be enough. Decker Williams is the map one because of all the, the shit that he's got. I don't know the team news comes up and everyone goes, "Where's Decker?" Williams, yeah. fucking, he was shit for weeks. He's been and he's been a superstar. And he's it was been amazing. Superstar for like, Wales, yeah, it was brilliant. You know, yeah. Which is again all, all bones very well indeed. Anyway, they're just keeping them under wraps, presumably for the Porto B team that we're so. going to put out, which we will be discussing on the uh, Build Up Show um, a little bit later on today. So thank you so much for checking out. That is the final word. Uh, if you want to know what else is going on on Redman Plus this week, then fear not. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, Around the League Show is going to be live Monday afternoon. Ross, what's going on with that one? Uh, we're talking to Chris Reeve from Tottenham City about their new manager and their, their win, um, and obviously D- Dean Smith. Uh, and we've managed to get all the United fan to talk about, um, well, them United. being them being really <laughs> them being really shit. The manager being sacked and that post mortem slash interview that they yeah, did, the exit interview, yeah, oh, which no one has ever done before. I don't, no. I don't. No, I good. Think. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you have plenty seen of time it, to discuss yeah. it. I've, I've watched. That, I watched a little bit of it, and I was like, uh, it's I've very, some, it's I've very got some popcorn and ours. I'm saving it. Like, it's very Brent. It's is very it? Uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. I can't wait for the trophy. Friends, he made of the trophy. What type of drink? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What type of drink would you recommend to go with it? All these tears when he starts crying. That's what I recommend. Oh my god, Carrick is a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's around the league. We've got the debate show going on in midweek. We have got Jado Insight with Neil Jones on Thursday. Chris is doing a stat show with Dan Kennett tomorrow. Dan Kennett as well. So that'll be live later on in the week. Final word as well. And there'll be another final word from midweek as well from Porto. Loads of the Instant Match Reaction and all that good stuff as well. Uh, so if you need more Arsenal stuff, do check out the Instant Match Reaction from Saturday night as well. Uh, but other than that, thank you so much for watching, uh, for subscribing, and we'll see you all very soon. Ta-da.